my least best Cleedence 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 That was a good one Dude this is gonna be The entire episode (laughs) I always have trouble With this stupid band Welcome back to Asinine Radio A weekly podcast Where we talk about music And well that's pretty much it So uh Let's go This is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where we get into a different album. We dissect it. We get into the nitty gritty of it. We have we try to have a good time doing it, but sometimes that doesn't happen. But we're gonna have a good time this time around. What am I talking about? Go to iTunes. Go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. Thanks again to our new five star review from Dan. Was it two eight seven three? It's a very kind words to say to us so we really appreciate it don't be a bocephus not, not give us a one star rating rating because that would be really lame and stupid thank you for all all the people out there who listen to us it's greatly appreciated my name is tyler and way out there hundreds of miles away way out there in the ether is jeff oh so if you don't already know we're going to get into the credence clearwater revival album cosmos factory but 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 but, but, but. before we do that what we like to do here on the pod is to rank every album from the band that we're doing on the episode. So we're going to rank all seven of the Credence. The ooh. we're going to rank all seven of the Credence Clearwater Revival albums <laughs> from worst best to best. So, Jeff, who uh, wants to go first? Do you go first? You always go first. Okay, I'm not you gonna lie. Pick, right? I had I have a bunch of 45s in my hand that I was not. Dude, can you hear me shuffling? Yes, you okay. had you have you've had like two minutes while I do that intro know, to fucking put that shit down. But you still are fucking around with all those forty, oh, those okay. hundreds of forty fives. Okay, there's so many. It's so I know. stupid. And you okay. picked the worst okay, possible okay, time okay. to go through them. But yeah, that's fine. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Jesus I'm gonna put Christ! Them up. I'm putting them up. I'm putting them up. This is I'm putting this up. is what our vinyl addiction has done to us. I'm like we're it's I'm putting them up. Our vinyl addiction ha- have, has take truly taken over our lives, and it's it's great. I love it. It is. It's 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 interesting. It's yeah, fun. Absolutely. I, I don't know. I'm, right, so I, I, I can I can go first. Do you, do you want me to go first? Go first? Yeah, go first. We're we're doing we're doing the the least best to the best of the Credence Clearwater Revival discography. Okay. And what do you think is their worst record? Go. So, they um, they only have two records that I that I feel are are even worthy of, of being called like their worst. Everything else is just kind of competing for like the top spot. Okay. So so pendulum, I think that's I, I think that's their worst. And it, but it, but even what? then, it's not it's not that what? bad. What? It's it's fine. You really think pendulum yeah. is their worst. The only reason why I say that because the bangers on pendulum they're not on the same level. And when I say the two records, I'm talking about Mardi Gras and pendulum. The bangers on pendulum aren't aren't as bangy. As the ones on Mardi Gras, and so that—that's the only reason why I put it there. What? 
<laughs> it's it's I'm truly blown away. It's fine. It's it's a fine record. It's there's nothing wrong with it. It's not a bad record at, by any by any means. Um, wow. The first two tracks said. though, "Pagan Baby" and "Sailor's Lament," I think if those were if that was one long song like like they've like Creedence <clears> has has clearly proven they they're able to do fantastically. I think that would be better. It's it's broken up into two different parts, and the ending of of "Pagan Babies" is kind of like a like an instrumental thing, and it kind of bleeds into to "Sailor's Lament." But I think if it was just one long song, I think that would have been a little bit better. But uh, "Pendulum" is my 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 least best. Wow, that is, that's truly shocking. It's not because Pendulum and Mardi Gras—that's essentially going to be our bottom two. And if it's not your bottom two, then your this podcast is already over. This podcast is done before we even begin. Oh, oh my, my my number my worst one is fucking uh, ruining the poor boys. What are you going to say? Something stupid <laughs> like that. Go ahead. Ah. <laughs> oh. But I, I just, it's unbelievable you put Pendulum that low. But my least best, Cleedence, Cleedence, Cleedence. <laughs> that was a good one. Dude, this is going to be the entire episode. <laughs> I always have trouble oh, with this stupid band. Cleedence. Oh my God. Okay. My least best from Cleedence Clearwater Revival is Mardi Gras. 100% it's Mardi Gras. Yeah, I figured. The, the only good song, honestly, the, the only good song I, I like is Someday Never Comes. That's that's the only good song you think? That's the only one I really you're like. You're stupid. You're dumb. You're, like, you're I, fucking, I went, in, I went into this, I went into this wanting to like Mardi Gras more because I've never enjoyed it, and I still don't like it. I don't think it's a very good record. Even the Fogarty-led songs, the Fogarty-written songs, I don't really care for. I don't think they're that great, except for Someday Never Comes. That's a great song. That's it. That's oh, it. That's all. Go. Here we go. All right, so what do you got for number six? Uh, it's my Mardi Gras. You're an idiot. <laughs> You're such an idiot. But, okay, so first of all, Fogarty didn't like, consider this a CTR album. In the past, he said, oh, yeah, we've only done, and he named off their albums and then stopped after Pendulum. But <laughs> but Stu Cook has, like, the worst of it. Stu, because, so, like, so Mardi Gras is, is an album where, for, for many years, the band have been saying, like, John, please, please let us sing. Please let us play music. Can we please do our own thing? And he's like, no, no, no. We, you know, this, wor- this, this formula works. Let's keep doing it. And then finally, after just years of, of bickering in this band, he's like, fuck it. Let's do it. Let's put out this. And then, like, this happened. And it's very... It's, it's, it's just... Dude, Stu is just like his songs are just fucking goofy. They're yeah. goofy. They're stupid. The album itself is very disjointed. It's confusing. Like nothing is really cohesive. And all the songs try way too hard. And then there's like this weird underlying country theme that they're trying that they it almost sounds like they try to to make this less like bayou sounding and more and more country sounding. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. So it just but like, dude, some of these bangers on here are just like "Someday Never Comes." That's my favorite Creedence song. That is my all-time favorite song. It's always been, always will be. I, I tried to pick something new this week, but I just I couldn't. And Pendulum was the only, is the only CCR album I don't have on vinyl. So I have I have I can't everything believe you have else. Mardi Gras. That's unbelievable, dude. I bought it because not only because it's CCR and I, I want I want the collection, but "Someday Never Comes." It's just. That is a fucking banger. But also, like, need someone to hold. 
That's also a banger. Mm-hmm. That's a Cosmo song. It's very folky, country sounding. But like the whole, the whole, the whole album, Mardi Gras, it's only twenty eight minutes. Really, it's that short. Very, very short. Oh, I didn't even realize that. So they have all of these ideas, all of these different genres that they want to accomplish, and they they try and do it in like twenty eight minutes. And as we as we'll see from other albums, like they they have like three songs that are twenty eight minutes long. So <laughs> they 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 try to cram too much into too little, and it's just it, it came out as that. Yeah, it's not very good. All right, so my number six. Uh, this is where the albums get good. Uh, it better on, be fucking pendulum. I'm honestly, so pissed. I'm be so irritated. Honestly, I mean, everything from six on is good to great, good to great. Are you gonna be uh, like weird and like, oh, well, Pendulum's actually their best album? Well, it's actually, cool. my my sixth least best is uh, their self-titled. This is their first record. You're so dumb. Tyler. <laughs> You're such an idiot. I honestly thought I liked this record more, and then I listened through it. And mind you, it is a fantastic record, amazing record. But when you stack it up against everything else, it's just it's good. It's great, but it's not as good. You're and, gonna uh, put Pendulum as like number three. My uh, my favorite song off of. Their daily record more. is uh, uh, Porterville, which oh. I think was like what a, a a Gollywog song, right? If I'm not mistaken, or did it date back to Blue Vel- the Blue Velvets? I mean, a lot of these songs, even on Cosmo, were recorded or not recorded, but thought of and, and rehearsed many years before, as we know, Creedence Clearwater to to be a band. Yeah, but also, mind you, CCR have been they were only a band for four years. So. How the fuck do you put their their debut album at, at the s- fucking second worst thing they've that's, ever done? That's the way she goes. They're so that's dumb. the way she goes. Okay, you so just, what do you got? <laughs> what are you doing? What do you got for number five? You're only doing these things just to like irritate just people, just to make and, you mad. Only you, only you. I only care about making God, you mad. Dude, my head itches. <laughs> uh, the next one for me is Green River, and. Like realistically, besides my favorite one, these these all these all wait. These Green all River is really that low. Holy these, shit! These these all these all go back and forth. Oh so, my so, god, you're an idiot. So so Green River is is no less than a two point five, maybe a two point seven five. It just goes up from there. Like it's not a bad. I can't album. believe. Just, I cannot just, believe you. Put I'm just it. I'm just tossing up things now and see which one lands first. Green River. Again, it's hard to rank Jesus. these because they're all bangers. Green River is a banger. You put it, but at number but five. I, I only think so because of its lack of of, of jamming. There's no jamming mod in this. There's a whole. There's not a whole lot of jamming like they Jesus like they Christ. like they're known for. There's just not. And then, okay. uh, what do you want from me? But but I want you to rank it higher. That's what I want from you. But wrote a song for everyone. Like, dude, John knows how to make us feel. He knows how to make us That's groove, too? and then and then bring us down. That's it's not my favorite too. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's my favorite favorite song, but it's definitely the song that that I thought was like wow, you wowed me with that one. Because it is Green River's full of bangers, man. It's it Bad is Moon Rising, Lodi, Green River, the title track. Be, dude, because come on, yeah, I'll, I'll get into it later. <laughs> because the, oh, oh, you're stupid. Oh. I can't believe you fucking had Pendulum <laughs> not your second or last or second. Last. Okay, it's okay. So <laughs> It's crazy. You're crazy. So my number five, my number five year is is Willie and the Poor Boys. Oh, you're so stupid. That's my number five right there. Hell yeah. Why do great, you even exist? Great album. Great album. Great fucking album. Why? Cannot cannot go wrong with Willie and the Poor Boys. Poor Boys. Um, 
I hate doing it because it's like one of their most famous songs, but goddamn, it's a fucking banger. And the best song on here is Fortunate Son. I mean, you just, you cannot go wrong with that guitar riff. And just feel like, damn, it's a fucking fine song. Honestly, I feel like, I feel like I don't even know you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great album though. It's honestly, like you said, everything from, from here on out are no less than a 2.5 on our three point rating system. I can't believe you put Pendulum so high. Hey Amen. When it's when it's better than the other one. Okay. Yeah. All right. What's well, number four? Uh, my number four is your, is your self entitled <laughs> their debut. That's way too high, but okay. Dude, they came out swinging with this one. Like they it's they came out hard, and and not just because like how good it is, but because the first track is such a long one, mm-hmm. and also a cover. And then side A only has three songs, totaling sixteen minutes. Yeah, in a, in a time where it was very, like, hey, if you're not psychedelic rock, like, what are you doing? Because they weren't psychedelic rock; they were more than that. So, so what are you doing? Your you, your music's not going to sell. Well, yeah, it fucking is. Watch us. Boom. Side A, sixteen minutes, three songs. That's that's insane. That's crazy. Yeah. And then the backside has this ton has a ton of like blues influence and is equally great. But Susie Q, how could you not think that's the best song on this album? It's perfect. It is a great it's, song. I, no, it's it's not great. It's perfect. It is a it perfect is. song. Everything it is. about this song is perfect. His second solo is fucking magnificent. He throws these little rust slides and it just sounds so damn cool. This it really is, does, yeah. This is unbelievable music. No one's heard this before. This was yeah. unprecedented. It, I agree with you. It's fucking fantastic. I know. And and uh, so, like, <laughs> just just to kind of backtrack a little bit, it is weird because we're going to argue about a band that was essentially only three years old. They they yeah. lasted about three years, and then after that, they they became really shitty. And if we're getting really into it, they only liked being a band for like a year and a half. True, very true. That's when the bickering really kind of set in. And so so it's like we're debating a band that has not been a band for a decade, but for like three and a half years until he started putting out things that nobody really gave a shit about. Until Mardi Gras, yeah. Yeah. Because Pendulum's good. But anyway... Uh, I swear to God, I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna I'm gonna hang up on this if this if if Pendulum (laughs) is not the next one. I'm so done with this. So over this. Oh fuck. Okay, so my number four. My number four. You ready for this one? You might. You might as well like like adjust your your rankings right now. (laughs) Oh my god, my number four is Pendulum. It is way too high. Way too high. It's honestly it's Pendulum. I I I think it's a solid record. I think it's a nice. It's a nice little. It's still still has like that Cosmos Factory vibe to it. It's it has some great melodies on this one. I feel it has some great melodies, and I feel like it's it it's like almost like the B side to to Cosmos Factory. If that makes any sense, it's it's very jammy, like Cosmos is, and and they kind of bleed things out, in a way, but they're just not long enough. But didn't you say that they don't jam on this one? No, that was that was uh, I think that was Green River. Oh, it was a Green River. You're right. You're right. You're right. But 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 Pendulum they they do they do jam on, but they don't like like you can hear them start to jam, and then by that time the song's already over. There's way too many songs on this. Credence does well 
when they just fully explore one theme in their songs. Yeah, I guess so. But it's still a, a solid record, solid output. And the, the there are two songs on here that they, they just tie for my number one, and that's Pagan Baby. I, I think that song mostly mostly instrumental, and it's just it's a rocking good time. It's up there with like Ramble Tamble as an opener. I really think those are two great openers to a record for them. And then also Hey Tonight. I love his vocals on that that song. They're just oh my god, they're just kind of like it's almost like he's kind of straining his voice. Dude, hey the Tonight chorus. is like one of the reasons why I listed Pendulum so low. Was it really? Oh my god, dude. I love stupid. his vocals on it. I love his vocals on that, hey that song. Tonight. Oh, it's so good. I love that chorus. I love that melody. Great, great, great album. Two great songs right there. So that's my number four is Pendulum. What do you got for number three? Okay. So I I would even think like Pendulum even being my worst best, I, I, I still would probably do like a 2.25 at the lowest. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. We're on number four, mm-hmm. right? No, three. Yeah, we're on we're number three. We're three. three. Uh, number three, Willie and the Poor Boys. Okay, that's that's a little high, but okay. Easy. Like, come on, I'll dude. Easy, easy. It, this this one almost got below their self-entitled, but Midnight Special saved it. And, and Midnight Special has always been that kind of deep cut on this one. And that's my third best CCR song. It is an absolute fucking banger of a song. And and the fact that so many other musicians before them have done it just as great, if not better. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it's a cover song. It's an old blues song. It's just... It's such a good song, and the way they do it is just very, it's very slow. It's very drawn out. They take their time with it. It's 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 I don't know, man. They 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 really explore what it is. I love it. I think it's a fantastic song. It's a perfect song. And again, my third favorite CCR song. Way too high. Way too high. My list is much better than yours. So, my uh, my third best uh, CCR album is Bayou Country. I, it's a remarkable album, like through and through. There's nothing bad on this record. And uh, honestly, I would have to say my favorite song is Proud Mary. I get it. What do you get? I get your list. You you don't like the longer songs. You like the shorter stuff. You don't. So Green River is going to be your number two. Is it? It is because Cosmo is going to be number one. Because I did just get Green River on vinyl and I will say, oh boy. Green River's your number oh two. Cosmo's okay. your number one. The, we'll the, the longer the songs, the less you like them. The longer the the less songs compacted into the album, the less you like it. And that's that's why it, that's why that's why you rate everything so fucking so you just stupidly. don't so you just don't even like Bayou Country. You just don't even you think that's a shit album. I think everything is garbage that they've done except for whatever. The <laughs> except for Mardi Gras. Except for Mardi Gras, it's the only album you like. <laughs> except for Mardi Gras, that's, that's the only CCR album you like. <laughs> yeah. Dumb shit. That's true. <laughs> What, but yeah, what was your favorite song off off of Bayou? Proud Mary. Proud oh, yeah, Mary is easily Mary. the best song. Through and through, best song. Cannot fuck with that song. But that's that's the best song on that album? That's your favorite song? That's not my... F- uh, nah. It's not my favorite. No, it's not my favorite song. Your fucking favorite song is probably Hate Tonight. No, it's not. No, no, no. Hate Tonight. No, no, no. It's a Cosmos Factory song. But don't worry about it. Oh, that song is so good. Oh, fuck. But Proud Mary is also the solid banger from uh, from Bayou Country. Proud Mary, keep on boiling. 
It's that, it's, it's that Frisco accent right there. It's that, that's the only part I like. The no, Boynton part? Yeah. <laughs> but only the way you sing it. That's how he says it. He says Boynton. <laughs> he doesn't say Bernie. He's just Boynton. He does. Listen to it. All right. What do you got for number two? Number Your two. Bay- Bayou, Count- or Bay- Bayou County. Bayou County? Bayou County. Bayou County. Donut County. Bayou County. Fuck. <laughs> Bayou Country. <laughs> you sound like that dog from uh, the Wacky Races where he's like hooked up with the with the villain. <laughs> oh, yeah. But there's other laughs. <laughs> yeah. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. I don't know what the dog's name is or that other guy. I don't either. I don't remember. Damn, what a what a lost tunage too on like Wacky Racers. Or that Wacky was a races. great show. I used to watch yeah. it all the time when I was a kid. Like like a best of of all like the Hanna Barbera. I think what they mm-hmm. were. Mm-hmm. Good times, but yeah, Bayou Bayou Country. That's that's my number two. Um, dude, there's just too much fucking harmonica on this one for for me not to love it. Seven songs, Bayou Country. He's my number two. <laughs> Fuck. There's just yeah. too much harmonic on this one for me not to love it. Seven songs total, right? Mm-hmm. Three of which are 22 minutes by themselves. These guys can fucking jam Tyler Anstead. I know. Tyler Rebecca Anstead. These guys do nothing but jam. That's all they do. It is unbelievable. This is such a phenomenal album. I don't know how you rated it so low. This was like your least best, but I don't get it. That's did, fine. It's so it's That's one fine. less than yours. That's fine. <laughs> it's one I, less than the dude. They are, they are at their best. They are at their best when they're just grooving with each other. When they're not. When they stop talking. When they stop bickering. When they stop fighting. And they just kind of let the music go. That mm-hmm. is like the only thing they've. They've kind of ever agreed on is is just like the jam part of of CCR. Everything mm-hmm. else, I think they fought about, but the only time that they've ever kind of shut up is just when they just played. Nah, I don't know. I, I don't think that's very right, but I think that's one hundred percent right. Mm-hmm. And, and and John himself has has carried that mindset even still to this day. John's full of shit. Dude, you're you're full of shit if you think that. You did not read a lot about John this week. I'm my kidding, opinion I'm about kidding. John it's a joke. has changed immensely. Has it's your opinion about John changed because we'll of this? We'll get week? into that. We'll get into that. We'll get my, into that. My, I've done almost a 180 on John. Okay. From this week, but but keep on chuglin. That's a great song too. That's Dude, a this, this is this is a long forgotten one for me. And when I bought these on vinyl, and this came on. It was just it was just like. I don't know, man. It was, it was it was listening to a song that you haven't heard in like a decade. It's like, holy shit. Where have I been? What have I been doing? Why have I only been listening to Cosmos? Why have I only listened to, to Suzy Q? Because that is a fucking banger. It's so jammy. It's so slow. Fogarty's guitar is just so dramatic. It's so overly dramatic. It doesn't even need to be like that. Yeah. Just the way he plays is just like, what are you doing? Yeah, Why I did know. you do that? I know, I know. Fuck man, that's a that's a. Ah, I, I'm I'm like I'm I'm debating whether or not to even say it's a perfect album. I am, but then that's spoilers. You can't do that. Can't do that. No, I, I don't even care. Cosmos Five is a perfect <laughs> album for me. I don't even care. <sighs> Fucking spoilers. No, you're gonna be care. upset with me. Decaf. But because uh, number two is Cosmo and number one for you is like Mardi Gras Pendulum or some bullshit. <laughs> my number two, my number two is Green River from CCR. I think this is um, 
this is yeah, this is just this is up there with Cosmos, obviously, and just every song on here is a banger. They're all like you said, they're most like all of them, if not most of them, or most of them, if not all of them, are all short, shorter songs. But that's what they do best. They do it so well. It's crazy how good John Fogarty is. Uh, and my my favorite song on here is "Bad Moon Rising" with that that guitar riff in the beginning. That dun 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 dun. It's Oh, it's so folky and dude. The way he I picks, love it. The way he picks those chords, and it goes like the boom, 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 boom. It's just, yeah. oh, it's so it's so polka kind of sounding. Oh, it's one of my favorite CCR songs all all around. It's one of their best. So yeah, Green River is my uh, my second best, and I mean clearly, we have the same number one. So I don't, what are we doing today? It's number one, their best album, Cosmos Factory. Credence Clearwater Revival, formed in 1967 in El Cerrito, California, and disbanded in 1972. The lineup consisted of John Fogarty on vocals and lead guitar, Tom Fogarty on rhythm guitar, Stu Cook on bass, and Doug Clifford on drums. The band put out seven full-length records, three live records, many, many compilations, and have sold over 30 million copies in the United States alone. But the album we're doing today is Cosmos Factory. It is their fifth album, and it was released July 16th, 1970. It features all of the original band members, with John Fogarty being the main songwriter, and it is also their most successful album to date. Now, Jeff, what are your initial thoughts on this record, your background, and do you have any stinkers? So, go. Um, so, I guess I'll do... Ah, that was a loud one. 
That's fine. I guess I guess I will do stinkers. No, there are no stinkers. No, there are no songs that are okay. Um, everything is a banger to a a beyond banger. I forgot your other two questions. Uh, your, uh, your first impressions and any sort of history or how you got into this. CCR. Okay. Uh, for sure. Like I got into CCR because my mom likes CCR. Like, like she, she, she loves CCR. She still does. She's met Cosmo many times. She even sent me a, a picture, actually two pictures of, of her meeting Cosmo just like in random fucking places. With the drummer, right? Yeah. Doug, okay. Doug Clifford Cosmo. Um, the Cosmos Factory. That's the. This is the the place where they rehearsed at. It, it became like a sweatshop to them, and they fucking hated it. And this is like the beginning of the end. Actually, not really the beginning of the end. This was like almost the end of the end. And so that's why they named it the Cosmos Factory. Was still solid, but okay. No, it wasn't. Um, but yeah, like my mom listened to CCR all the fucking time, and CCR is one of those bands. Maybe like the band to where any kind of walk of life or any kind of bar you go into or restaurant or or pawn shop or clothing store, they're probably going to play a CCR song. Yeah. If not more than any other band ever. Like, they are completely timeless. I think I, one of the, the only few bands that would be played as much as them would be probably Queen and Journey. You know, CCR is better than both of those bands. I would definitely, I would, I would probably, unfortunately, I would, I would agree with Journey a lot based on like three of their songs. <laughs> but, but dude, I don't know, man. Like CCR is, is just like, they're going to live on forever. They're just, it's such a bizarre sound and it's so unique and it's, it's absolutely crazy. And, and the story of CCR and just how, how much music they put out in the course of just even like two or three years. And just 1969 was like the year of CCR. Mm -hmm. But they never even had like a real number one single. They always got beat. I wrote down all the all the bullshit that they got beat by. But yeah, man, my, my mom listened to a ton of CCR. And so I've always just known CCR to be Bad Moon Rising, Proud Mary, Down on the Corner. And at some point, I think Cosmos Factory was the first album that I listened to that wasn't outside of like their 20 biggest hits and okay. i think I've, honestly i think when we first started like like really playing music together and getting into music that's when i i really discovered it and i think cosmos factory is a perfect kind of culmination of everything they've done it has it has a long jammy songs that i love it has these really kind of short poppy songs that they do really really well it has a lot of blues rock influence. It has a lot of even kind of like weird jazzy melodies to it. It has just like everything good that they've ever done put into one final hurrah. Yeah, you're right. And, and that's that, that's that that's where I'm at. That's where you're at. <laughs> All right. Um, my my kind of well, okay. So I will say there are no stinkers on here. Everything is honestly everything is great. There's nothing just good everything's great on this record it's a truly truly remarkable record especially considering it's their fifth album and it's also their fifth album within three years so it's it's truly truly remarkable <laughs> so fucking crazy and i will say too okay so they started in 1967 but they started in december of 1967 so it might as well be 1968 
So when we say that they've been around for four years, it's been fucking four years. Yeah, like literally less. four years. Yeah. So <laughs> it's been four fucking years that they were together, and they put out seven fucking records. So it, it they're they're truly a remarkable band. And considering John Fogarty was the main songwriter through everything but the last album, is also very very insane. But but yeah, like I said, I have no stinkers, and. Um, my my first impression was my mom listened to a little bit of CCR, but it was like, it was here and there. It was like kind of like sporadic. I I think she had like one of their their best of CDs growing up, but that was about it. And then getting into high school, and then you were you were really into CCR. I remember that, and so I I got more into them because of you, and then that got me into Green Mile. Green Mile was the first album I heard in its entirety. Green Green River. Green River. Green, what the fuck, Green Mile, what the fuck is wrong with me? You're thinking Tom Green Hanks, River. it's fine. Exactly. And Ving Rhames. Uh but uh yeah, Green River was the was the first record I heard in its entirety. And I mean, it's just I, I think everything that, that they've done for the most part has just been perfect. And I think the reason another reason why I got so into them was because early on, like when when we when you and I like turned eighteen and we started like doing more road trips to like Vegas or or fucking wherever we we ever went. We would always listen to CCR. That was like always the uh, yeah, road trip, the road, road trip, trip anthems. Road trip music was always CCR. Like, I mean, you had to play CCR. So it, there's a lot of like nostalgia embedded in my mind with this fucking band. Not just Cosmos Factory, but just in general, it was always CCR on road trips. That's all. You, I mean, you listen to so we would listen to so much of it. So, and even to this day, like when I go on road trips anywhere, like when I go out to your place, when I'm going with Tammy or going by myself, like I always put on CCR, I'll put on like one or two records <laughs> because it's just, it's something you got to do. It's, they're the perfect road trip music. Or even like when I went with Pat, when Pat and I went up on our, um, our trip oh, up, to the up Sequoias, to, up to the Sequoias, we listened to CCR like exclusively. That's all we listened to was CCR <laughs> there and back. So it's just like, I have all these great memories with this fucking band. They're just like a perfect middle ground band. Yeah, like but not a bad middle ground band. Yeah. They're the perfect band because everybody likes their music. Like there's nobody in the world, as far as I know, <laughs> that would say that CCR is bad. Like everybody can enjoy their music. Except, except CCR. Except, except CCR. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that isn't that remarkable? But yeah. All right. That's so like going back to what you said earlier that is interesting though your mom didn't listen to a i thought she likes she's like a river rat kind of isn't she no she yeah she 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 was and is but she i don't know she was more into like rush she was really into ted she loved ted nugent um and then just just i don't know like stuff like that she was more into like pop music and 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 stuff like that but she always liked ccr but it was never like like something we listen to a lot, like uh, we listen to a lot of Sticks, Ario Speedwagon, okay, stuff like that, but not really. We listen to CCR, just not that much of it. But there was enough there for me to remember. Because going to the river, like just just driving around on a boat all day, you will hear the entirety of the equivalent of like two or three CCR albums. <laughs> like True. every fucking person plays CCR out there. True. But also, my my mom, like as a family growing up, we never like went to the river. That was something more like later in life. Okay. So so I didn't have those same experiences growing up. Oh, that makes but sense. But still, yeah. my, my, my mom liked them a lot, and she still loves CCR, but it was just never played a lot, not too much growing up. 
don't cool. Know. What, what, what do you got? What do you That's got? it. This what? is uh, the good album. <laughs> yeah, let's is... call it a night. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's get into our, our BBs, our biggest bangers here. Okay. Since we have no stinkers. What, what do you got as your uh, biggest banger? Um, my second favorite CCR song is Up Around the Bend. That's that's a song. Wait, that, why'd you go? Wait, 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 why'd you go with your second? Because my number one is, is "Something Never Comes." F- no, but I meant like off this record. Oh no, that's my second favorite CCR song of all time. This is my biggest banger on this album. It's just overall my second favorite oh, CCR song. God. <sighs> but okay. it's the I mean it's it's the best song on this on this album. It's it's absolutely the fucking best. And and when I say it's like wait, the wait, best, wait, what song? Wait, what song? I'm up st- around the bend. Upper, okay, okay. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta follow here, kid. I'm you trying to, follow. I'm trying to keep up. I'm trying to keep up. You gotta with keep you right up. Now. You gotta keep up. I no, ship up or shape out. Go, go. <laughs> uh, yeah, up around the bend. I think I learned how to play this guitar like many, many of the years, like a decade ago or something like that. I still know how to play it. Still love playing it. And the the more I listen to it, kind of like the more the more I love it. Like. It's one of those songs that I've listened to a hundred times at least, and every time I listen to it, I like it more, and I never get tired of it. And it's absolutely a perfect fucking song, and it's a yeah. B side, right? It was a, it was a, it was a B side to to no wait. Are you sure it was on a double A side? No, now now I'm fucking. Now I can't read my notes because we we should we should also bring that up too where. John Fogarty was so confident in his songwriting that the label would say, "Okay, you got to have a single on your a, on the A side, and then on the B side, you got to put obviously like a, a lesser song on there." But he said, "No, we're, we're going to put two songs on the A side, and then another on the B side, and then the two songs on the A side would be like two huge hits." Like they, I mean, they kind of like changed or not changed, but they, they like defied everything that was going on in the mu- music industry at the time. It's remarkable. Okay, no, yeah. So no, you, no, you're right. Going off of that, because because Fogarty was very, he was very confident in himself. He he still kind of is, very confident yeah. in himself, very confident in his set in his songwriting. CCR, as much as I love them, they do follow a formula, kind of kind of this this formula of making music that all sounds the same, but because they're like the only ones that really stand out in that genre that niche genre it's fine mm-hmm. but all their music does kind of sound the same but no up around the bend is, is the b-side to run through the jungle oh okay okay and so no, no but like but you're right because because fogarty was 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 like no dude we're gonna release an a-side that's a banger and a b-side that may be even a bigger banger and his 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 kind of rebuttal to that was well like elvis did it the beatles did it and look look how big they are i want to be them which is fine is great but it's sad because like he didn't he didn't kind of consider like the human element of all of this and his mm-hmm. band imploded and and it was just a, a horrible story but songwriting wise and music i mean th- there couldn't be bigger bangers and all of these stuff but yeah up around the bend was a was a was a b-side to to run through the jungle but also a- was i was i wrong in did i read it incorrectly where that they fogarty did say that he wanted two songs on the a, on a side on side a a single if that's even possible i don't i don't think i don't know if I that's feel like I read if that's that possible somewhere. i i feel like when you when you make i mean i have them in my hand i have a bunch of little 45s in my hand and so cool you're so cool right now yeah because i bought a box of them and all garbage <laughs> but but just looking at them i don't know if that's like the way things were 
yeah. type of thing. And and or uh, maybe maybe I read it. Maybe I just read it wrong, and he meant like there should be no side B. Like both sides should be equally good. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. I don't know. I may I might have just read it incorrectly. Well, that's why. Okay, so like since since I've started listening to a lot of vinyl, since we've started listening to a lot of vinyl, thank you. You, you can kind of understand why bands or older older bands older groups will put bangers kind of halfway through the album because you think it's a very 90s and and beyond thing to put your biggest bangers up top all your bbs one two three four five and then the record kind of just tapers off but if you go back previous to like 85 and then like the early 80s kind of still coming into like the the rock realm you go back like that like halfway through the the cd you get a song like Up Around the Bend. That's the first mm-hmm. track on side two. So, mm-hmm. so like these albums are are they're they're more complex in their in their sequencing than than we're used to with with new with new music, right? Yeah, I'd say so. Like putting a, a Up Around the Bend, like arguably like the fucking coolest, most catchiest song on this entire album as the first track on side two, like you got to kick off side two with something big because you just did ramble tamble as on fucking track one and side one. Yeah. 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 So for that, that pause, like, as you know, that, that, that almost awkward silence as you're flipping the record over, like you need to come in with something hard with something big. And CCR <laughs> has always done that. They've yeah, always they killed side two. Like side two is the first track has always just been fucking killer. It has. No, I agree with you. I'm not denying that at all. Damn, Tyler. Fucking pendulum. Number second best album. So <laughs> stupid. But up around the bend, man. That's that is that's that that ringing intro riff. That's just absolutely legendary. And if you yeah. really listen to it, like he he rings out some of those notes, and there's it's so subtle. But like Stu Cook, I think his best bass line is on this song right here. You really think so? Absolutely. It's like the, if you play, you can listen to it. But it's, it's, his, it's his best bass line. I love it. The song is so catchy. It's, it's just, it's gross. And the solo here, the solo is just absolutely fantastic. Like they, like Fogarty really knew how to keep it short and sweet. And what I like about this solo is how high the notes blend in with the song as a whole. Like everything, the lead Everything the lead does is high. It's it's, it's high, uh, like octave wise. The notes are high. The solo is high. The lead fills are high. The outro is high. It's just yeah. it's just consistency throughout the entire song. Very well put together. Very formulaic, but very well put together. I agree. I agree. And also his uh, his what I've always loved about Up Around the Bend is uh, his vocals during the chorus. The way he kind of like draws out very briefly the end of every line. Where he goes, I'm going up around the bend, and then the way he says bend, it's like, it's almost like this weird like, not he's not straining his voice, but he, I don't even know what the hell he does, but he he does this weird like fluctuation with his voice, and he kind of draws out that last note, and I've always loved that, and he does that in the chorus on multiple lines, of that chorus, and I just thought it's just it's such a sweet touch to everything else going on in the song, and I feel like it's very understated too, and I I love it about it. I would love it about that song, but uh, yeah, should I? I mean, I might as well play up around the bend since oh, yeah, you're, you're BB, right? That's my BB. All right. I mean, if you've never heard this this guitar riff, you're you're out of your mind. So here it is.
there it is, <laughs> up around the bend. Sorry, yeah, that 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 side of the guitar playing did not play, but that's fine. Damn so yeah, stereo. Yeah, fuck, and our stupid equipment. But yeah, that's up around the bend. Jeff's BB on this song, it, it's it's solid. No complaints there. No complaints. My my absolute favorite, my absolute favorite part of this song is the intro. Because he hits those open strings, I think he hits like the D when he goes when he slides upwards, mm-hmm. and you can just hear it. You can hear it like ring out under as he slides up, and I just, I it's unfucking believable. It is it unbelievable is. to me. And I never, and like you, you, also what you mentioned earlier with uh, with the bass playing with Stu, I I never really noticed it, but yeah, no, you're you're totally right. His bass playing is pretty solid in the song. <laughs> it's just a cool little lick that he throws down. It's super simple. I played on the guitar as I listen to the song. Sometimes I'll play the bass line on the guitar, and I just, I love it. Absolutely love it. It's just that you know when when you listen to CCR, you only really ever focus on the guitar playing and the vocals. Yeah. <laughs> that's like all you. It's you just can't help it. I mean, Stu Cook for sure is like the like the weakest part of the band. Even though he's not weak, but he's definitely the weakest part of this band. Yeah, he's strictly there just to fill in the the emptiness yeah like that like he's not at best he doesn't really do much outside of that all right and then i mean let's talk about the lyrics real quick you know from all i got i mean the the lyrics on this entire record they're not super deep except for maybe a couple songs could be taken a little bit more seriously but this song to me it was just it was kind of like a feel-good vibe to it where he's talking about just like kind of leaving the city and just the craziness of life to just go relax for a little while for a little while, like out in the forest or just by yourself in the middle of nowhere. And that's kind of like a cool little vibe. And yeah. it's, it's a very upbeat and happy song. And I don't know. I, I like, I like the, the simplicity of the lyrics on this one. On this that's, song. I mean, I feel like that's exactly what this song is. It's just leaving a shitty, complicated life for, for a better simplified one. Mm-hmm. And I, Damn. Even if it's just temporary, like it doesn't have to be a permanent change. I think it's just a matter of just like a vacation for a little while. Yeah, vacation, just leaving for a little while. I like, I love that. I think it's great. They don't have like a ton of like really dark, complicated, uh, lyrical themes in their music. It's it's all pretty straightforward. And I mean, even though like the Fogarty's had kind of a shitty upbringing, mm. they still translate a certain feeling pretty damn well. And it's always just like things are better when it's simpler. And I think that's like the overall theme of CCR. Yeah, I agree. It's almost like this, this weird sort of escapism that they, they kind of evoke in their music, whether that's intentional or not. I feel that's kind of how everybody feels about this band. It's they're interesting. They're very, very interesting. They're, they're able to do that to, to, give off that vibe very very easily and very well what's I don't know. what is your what, what is your bb what is your biggest banger oh it's run through the jungle really i, I mean <laughs> i don't give a i don't give a fuck i mean I, I don't care that that song has been been in movies and commercials i think that song is just absolutely perfect and just that when, when he when he when he sings run through the jungle and then that 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 scale that tiny that little scale that he plays on the guitar Oh, it's so good. I love it. I this song, love it. This song's weird because I always think that it's longer than it is. I always think this is like a six or seven minute song because it no. totally could be. They totally could have drawn this out to the point where it is like their Susie Q. 
but they keep it so short. It's way too short. They do. It's, God, it's I wish like, it was so long. It's a little bit over three minutes, and <laughs> but it has this this very interesting, like kind of subtle uh, vibe to itself. Like it doesn't it doesn't go any go into anything crazy. It just kind of keeps this tone, this steady tone. I don't I don't know how else to explain it. I also just, like like I, I've always thought that they're they're so lucky that this song is such a banger because that intro is so stupid and cheesy that they no. had to back it up with a banger. If this song <laughs> wasn't a banger like it is, that intro would be so bad. No. That and that eclectic weird ambient noise and then it finally fades into like the the the, the guitar playing. Why like, do you think that's so bad? I, no, I only think it's bad because had it not been for like the greatness of the song, that intro would have been bad. So if this was my first time listening to this, I would think like, damn, you guys better you guys better pull something good to justify that stupid ass intro. And then seconds later, I think, oh, okay, yeah, you got it, you got it, you got it, you got it. All right, I'm gonna play a little bit of uh, Run Through the Jungle. So There's here it is. Stu brings down this one too, though. All right, here we go. Oh, here, oh, here we go. Oh, oh. Just, I just realized how bad this song sounds without Fogarty's lead guitar playing. Yeah, I just. Oh my god, it sounds, it sounds so bad. It doesn't even sound like the same song. <laughs> it sounds. I can't even play it. It it makes me so upset. That's awful. That's wow, right. that sounds so bad when you only have one. One uh, one speaker playing. Damn, That's right. that was like shocking. It's it just again, man. This song is very. This is another one. It's very formulaic, and and that intro. I just, I love that intro because I know that it's going to lead to something really really cool. And that type of intro usually leads to something really heavy, really fast, really, really loud. But the fact that they kind of flipped it. And let the feedback drone in, and then just mm-hmm. came in with something really groovy and soft. That's you know, that's I thought it was great. It's brave, I th- and I thought it it worked perfectly. I don't it know it did why work you, perfectly. But why are you bitching about the feedback? And I'm that, not that bitching. Intro? I'm just trying to get you to. You we're bitching about it's, it. It's it's tough. It's tough because I know it's hard for you to be objective sometimes. Oh, and so, you're so dumb. I tried. I really tried to listen to this album as if this was my first time ever listening to it. And I just thought to myself that if I heard a band do that type of intro, my initial mm-hmm. thought would be, "Wow, you guys better fucking pull something in really good," because that intro is very pomp and circumstance. And you guys better pull something else up because, you know, it's, it's going to sound stupid. And they did. And they pulled it out and that intro is now iconic. But what I'm trying to get, to, what I'm, what I'm trying to, get across to yeah, you... Yeah, what are you trying to get across? Is, I don't is, know. Is I, know it's, <laughs> I know it's... I want you to appreciate that intro for more than just, oh, uh, it's cool because it sounds cool. Like, no, it's more than that. What? It's, it's, <laughs> what do you mean, what? What don't you understand about that? <laughs> it's, like, it's like we're both agree... We, we agree that it's great. 
No, you that agree that it's good. That I'm trying to tell you that it's <laughs> fucking fantastic because the song supports it and builds it up even better. You just think, oh, it's a cool intro. The funk's pretty cool. Yeah. You have no, <laughs> you have no reason for liking the intro. Like, why do you like that intro? What, what about oh that intro God. makes it great to you? It's almost like this, this really cool buildup. It almost sounds like a, like a movie score for, bri- very, very briefly. It sounds like a movie score, and then you, you hear, F- John's guitar come in kind of like it kind of comes in the background and then it 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 builds up into the forefront so you have this this great just kind of like the you just have this cool what am i i can't even think of the fucking word i don't know what you're talking about transition it's 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 this transition i just i feel like the transition is so good because it sounds like it's from a fucking movie like it sounds almost like a movie score just having the feedback there just sounds like that and I feel like it's it's done so well. And then, like I said, John's voice just is very subtle throughout that part and throughout the rest of the song. And it's very kind of like relaxed and almost like it's on the verge of just... Ex- the whole song is almost like on the verge of exploding, but it never actually reaches that point. But that's not a negative thing I'm saying about the song. Let me... Let me throw it into some nomenclature that you may be more familiar with. This intro is epic. If the song wasn't epic, this intro would be fucking dumb. But because the song itself is epic, now the intro has been boosted itself into the upper echelon of, of intros. But also, and it is great. Using- you throw this intro in front of Up Around the Bend, it'd be fucking dumb. It would be stupid. I agree with you. I agree with you. The the intro to Up Around the Bend is better. 100% No, better. but if you I'm threw not... this intro in front of Up Around the Bend. That's what I just said. No, you said the intro to Up Around the Bend is better. Okay, you're right. Okay, you're right. I did say that. But they're pretty much one and the same. But okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like, why are we arguing about this? I because I want, I want you to appreciate how great the intro is because I it, understand it, it perfectly is. meshes with the song. If you took, the, ex- if oh you took God, the intro out oh and you God. just had oh the song, God. it would be That's fine. That's what I just fucking said. You never said That's that. What, you never dude, once said oh that. God. You never once said that. I said that intro, the feedback and all that stuff goes perfectly well with when John comes in with that lead guitar. That's exactly what I fucking but, but said. But would it... Would it go that, just that as well with Ramble Tamble? Would it go just as well with Suzy Q? I don't know. No. Probably well, not. It Probably not, but in this context, of course it does. That's what I've been fucking saying. No. What, what you said was, <laughs> no, the intro's good because it sounds good. That's, that's, what, that's what you initially that. said. You, come on. Let's, let, let's give credit where credit is due here. We're not plagiarizing anything, but we need to... We need to we're, we're not... <laughs> this is better than, than, we're, than we're making it out to be. This album is oh better than, than we're presenting right now. And it's, You're out of we're your not, fucking We're mind. not doing it justice. That's exactly what I fucking said. It's like, give it, it's like being super excited and giving somebody like a piece of pizza that's from your favorite fucking place. And you're like, how do you like it? And they're like, oh, it's good. That, that's it? That's, that's all you it's fucking got? It's not like that at all. That's what you just did. It's not like that at yeah. all because you know how much I love this fucking record. I don't. It's like, no, no, no. You're, you're, lo- you're looking. You're, you're looking. You put for fucking Pendulum as to like your top on. three, top two favorite albums of all time. It was I don't like understand. top five, top four, top five, top, top four, four albums of all time. See exactly. I don't know what. You, yeah, top what four you albums were, of all time. What are you even talking about? There? Yeah, exactly. Run the Better than Cosmos banger, Factory though, for real. What? Uh, Run through the jungle is a banger. The harmonica. That's like. <laughs> That's my favorite part. It's it's just it's just it's this weird, depressingly happy 
way that he plays it. It's it's very bizarre. It's it's very emotional. It's weird. I love it. And what I what I thought was um was interesting lyrically about it. Everybody always says that you, they they think the song is about uh, the Vietnam War and and all of that stuff. And John has always come. He's always talked about how like that's not what it's about. It's not an anti-war theme. It's about you know the gun fanaticism within the United States and how it was growing and growing and growing during that time period. And I tried to look at it through that perspective, and I just don't see it. I don't see I, it either. I don't. I don't at all. Like this is this is. I'm sorry. I disagree. I disagree with the songwriter, but this is about this is an anti-war sentiment. This is this is exactly what that this song is, like through and through. There's there's like nothing. There's no way you can not say that. It's insane. It's an anti-war Vietnam anti-war anthem. Hundred percent through and through. I it makes agree. no fucking sense. No, I, I, and I like, totally agree. Like every fucking line, like it is a is a reference to, you know the battlefield in Vietnam, Cambodia and all that shit for him to, for folk, for John to say that just seems asinine. He's to say that. Oh, asinine radio, especially, yeah, especially because like he was drafted right in, in like the, the mid sixties for the Vietnam, yeah. he was drafted. So like clearly that is on his subconscious. But wasn't it, wasn't he draft like national guard or something? Yeah. It was like the, the reserve, but he was drafted regardless. Yeah, he was like, how, like, isn't that like a weird, like antiquated thing to talk about like being drafted like could you ever imagine we're too old now but like could you ever imagine getting drafted yeah like I what know, the I, fuck i i remember okay so so we're you and i are 33 so when 9 11 happened that was we were fucking 14 14 when yeah ni- we were about we were about yeah we were 14 almost 15 and so when like the war in iraq and uh, Afghanistan really started. I remember being really scared, like fuck, dude. They're because they were talking about having the draft, like opening up the draft again. And I remember being like terrified when I was eighteen, Wait, like in two thousand five, you know, because that was when, like when all the crazy, crazy shit started happening in the war. Like Fallujah happened, I think in oh five or oh six, and so like all the crazy fucking shit that was going on over there was happening, and I was just like fucking terrified. Like if I get drafted, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like. It was it was really scary for me at least. No, you would you would go fight a war you didn't start that you may not agree with, and you would possibly die for the same for cause, like no good reason. Yeah, <laughs> like honestly, for no good fucking reason. Yeah, I remember that that was really scary because that was, at least in in our lifetime, that was like the only time I feel like it was ever the draft has ever been brought up. Right? Like, do you, you know? Can you think of any other time? But like even then, I mean, maybe because I wasn't, I wasn't. I didn't really care at the time. I, I, I was I was thinking of joining the military anyway, so I really didn't I mean, matter. I too, but I, I think I think when we turned eighteen, we had to sign up for the selective service. Yeah, like I think like the the week I turned eighteen, I got this letter in the mail saying like, "Hey, this is uh, you know, this is your this is your country speaking. I think you're turning eighteen this week. Here's a here's a notice that you have to sign up for the selective service, or you will get fucked by something." And and like I still have my card, like the card they sent me that says like I signed up for the selective service, and I always thought that was like really stupid and fucking dumb. But yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I just can't, I can't imagine like a draft. It's just such, it's so dumb and it's so, it's so petty. Yeah, it, it's so fucking petty. But I think I think the reason why there hasn't been a draft like there was during Vietnam was because 
the Vietnam War did get such a large backlash from society that they've never they've never brought it back. Well, rightfully so. I mean, I, I feel like we we value human life more than we than we ever have, and kind of less than we ever have too, in a way. But yeah, as far as like war is concerned, but we value human life more than than we have in in previous wars. At least, at least, the lives of people within American or even Western society. Yeah, you know, because I mean, there's a lot of a lot of shit going on, you know, internationally that are that we do that are just wildly awful and inappropriate. But anyway, yeah, run through the jungle, banger, banger of a song, banger, banger yeah, per- perfect song, fucking fantastic song. Um, interesting is Fogarty actually got sued. For making oh, yeah. a song on his solo album that sounded too much like his song with CCR. So he got sued for plagiarizing himself, essentially. Because he was an idiot and sold all of the, his CCR rights to, I don't know if it was Fantasy Records or somebody within the company. There's this guy, Zance, Zance. But, okay, so this kind of like coincides with earlier what I said that I've always thought Fogarty was just a big douchebag, but... He's actually not. I don't think so either. He he's not he's not a douchebag in, in the way we think he's a douchebag. He probably is a douchebag, but he, he he's rightfully so. So like his band essentially they wanted like, hey man, like we want to write music, we want to do things, and he says, Well, I don't think we should because it's probably not gonna be good. Just being straight up, mm-hmm. right? Being being honest. Being honest yeah. They came out with Mardi Gras. It wasn't the best, but, but so. also what I well I I want to say with Mardi Gras was that he finally said, you know what, I'll let you guys. I mean, we'll we'll make a collaboration like whatever you guys write, you'll we'll do for the record. And then they all like Stu and Doug. They said, well, we don't want to do that, even though after for years they had been saying, you know, we want to be a part of it. We want it more democratic. And then once John said, okay, let's do that, they all backed away and said, no, we don't think that's a good idea. Which they I wanted think is really like shady on their part. They wanted to do music with him. At that point, all the fighting he wanted, he said, "If you want to write a song, then you fucking write it. I don't want any part of it. You write it. You tell me what to play. I don't want any part of the writing process." Mm-hmm. But I think what they wanted was was just to have a more cohesive writing process, which I think stems back from like like band one hundred and one, right? Dialogue you know, conversations speak up when you think something is not going the way you want it to go, then say something. And I think things had festered with, with CCR for so fucking long. And when I say so long, it's like a year and a half. <laughs> I <don't, laughs> I know. It wasn't we're, that we're long. We're, we're, it makes it seem like we're talking like 30 years, but it's like, like we're talking the Beatles here. Like yeah. he's fucking three years tops. But so, so, so Fogarty had, had released his book not too long ago. And, and in there, it was kind of like like my life in my own words, and there I, I didn't read the book. I read a lot of excerpts this week from the book, and it just it like he said the only year that was fun was sixty eight. He said sixty eight <laughs> was the only year of CCR that was fun. He said even then they bickered a little bit, but after that it was never fun, and then it only got worse and worse and worse, and that is sad, man. That is sad, mm-hmm. and. And so, like, they were signed with Fantasy Records for the longest time. And this other guy came in, Zance. I don't know who the fuck he is, but he he is somebody with Fantasy Records. 
But then Stu and Doug Cosmo, the drummer, mm-hmm. they sold some of their rights to this guy Zance, even though Fogarty was telling him like, "No, don't do it. This guy's this this guy's gonna fucking." take all of our money and invest it poorly and, and he's already done it and he did. He invested millions of CCR's money in, in bad investments and they lost it all. They ended up suing him again, getting a, a small portion of it back. But Fogarty, at the, when they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 93, they played music, but Fogarty wouldn't play music with Stu or Doug and everyone thought, oh, Fogarty's a dick. Like He's such an asshole. I can't believe he won't play with his band. But But like why would he yeah he felt like his band backstabbed him sided with the enemy took his money took his actual rights to his music that he fucking wrote and then played his music in front of him yeah and all he said was no i don't want to be a part of this i don't want to do this anymore and then i've always loved cosmo like cosmo's always been the guy that i've like i've always been drawn to i like his drumming style it's very basic a lot of drum fills a lot of kind of nuance, but he's always he's always just been very nice interviews. But dude, he's kind of dumb. <laughs> he's just kind of stupid. And I, I read I read quite a few interviews of Cosmo, uh, of Cosmo. <laughs> Is that a still magazine? Cosmopolitan. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. But yeah, I, I read quite a few interviews with with Cosmo, and the dude is just. Like he has fucking no idea what's going on. Like he he was along for the ride at best. Like he has yeah. no fucking idea how anybody thinks. And after after Tom died, I I think that was kind of like the final nail in the coffin. And there was this. And then and then John Fogarty said that he had written Tom a letter saying like, "Hey man, we need to get back together. You and me, not the band. Just you and I. We need to do this for our mom. Mm-hmm. Here's a bunch of stuff that I don't like." Here's a bunch of stuff. Here's like a list of things that, that I think that you did me wrong by. Let's see if we can create a dialogue. Let's see if we can tackle these issues. And number one was was saying, you know, like you you and Saul sued me. I think it was Saul Zantz, the guy from Fantasy Records. Yeah. You you sued me for this. And there was like 10 other things. And and then John claims that he got a letter back from Tom saying, like, dear, dear John, I didn't sue you. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. End of letter. Damn. And like that, like just just to like, I don't know, man, just to list 10 things that bother you about, about a relationship and you send it to someone thinking that they can be an adult, that they can address those problems, they, you can have a dialogue, you can open something up, and then for them to send something back that's just like one or two lines of just negating or denying how you feel, mm-hmm. it's terrible. And I, I like again, this week, has I've done a complete 180 on John and I feel really bad for him and and I, I think that his band was very immature and I, and I think he was just light years ahead of them. Just not just musically, but also like mature wise, yeah, maturity I'd, wise. I'd agree with you on that. And then considering that they, you know, eventually started, you know, the, the cover band really without revisited. the revisited with it, where it's just stewing Doug, which is also a huge fuck you to John, right? Yeah, you know, and they're exclusive, exclusively, exclusively playing John's stuff and then also John having no because he 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 ended up selling his rights to his own music you know he he has no say in where the songs are being used in and then and then I what I read was what I thought was interesting too was that there was like a Levi's commercial where I don't remember what song is off the top of my head but there's a song played in a Levi's commercial and John just could not believe that it was played there and and somebody actually f- 
like from the LA Times reached out to John saying like, how do you feel about the song being in there? And he's like, I had no say in it. I, I haven't, I haven't had the rights to my own songs yeah. in decades and I hate that it's in there. I think it's awful. I wish it was never in there, but like I said, I have no say. And then Levi's found out about it and they actually pulled the whole ad because they didn't even know that John had no say in it. That's how kind of like shady the entire, like all those deals can be at times, you know, like, I don't know. It's terrible. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's terrible. gross. Yeah. It's, it's so sad to think that you work so hard to write music and you, and you like, this is your passion and, and you, and you write these songs, you, you write a song for everyone, as John says, and then you go to a fucking JC Penny or some shithole fucking place. It doesn't exist anymore. A Mervyn's. Ooh, Mervyn's. Yeah. And you, Great and you hear some, and you hear one of your, like your, 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 your songs playing. You're like, what the fuck? Like, how is this even possible? Especially considering that when they did the, the Creedence Clearwater Revisited, they wanted to continue saying Creedence Clearwater Revival. And John's like, well, well, no, dude. Like, no, that's not, that's not right. I'm not in the band. Like I'm, I'm the dude, like much similar to like Sublime with Rome type of thing. Like I, no, I wrote these songs. It wasn't like a cohesive thing. I wrote these fucking songs. Yeah. I told you what to play. You just add your own little nuances to them, but these are my songs. Like, you can't play this. And everybody shit all over John. Like, why don't you let him play the music? Like, you're the fucking guy doing his solo stuff. And it's like, well, no, this is his stuff, man. I know. I agree. I agree. What? I know. It's it's so backwards. It's so fucking backwards. But then, like, you know, the guys who were doing the revisited stuff, they were, they were getting like, you know, popular musicians to play john's part which made it even worse you know it's yeah. like so disrespectful it is it really really is it sucks like like why so and also in john's like uh, some excerpts he said why couldn't they just be like cosmo and stew playing credence like why couldn't that be the tagline why did it have to be credence clearwater revisited mm-hmm. it could have just been cosmo and stew plays credence yeah and they could have played they could have done whatever they want well, also what I read was that when, okay, so they originally wanted to do they wanted to those two wanted to uh, tour as revival, but then John put a stop to that. So then, for a very short period of time, they toured as Cosmos Factory, and then eventually they were able to to tour as Credence Clearwater Revisited, which right. It's just like that, like why that are was you during like the that court proceedings? Yeah, yeah. It's like why would you put up that much of a fight for this? Like. Are you that desperate for it? Like, yeah, the songs are great, but it's just like, like, at what point are you going to, like, move on? You know, like, why would you, why would you want to ride the coattails of somebody like that? You know, it's just, it's weird. To to put it like in our, in our, our casual listeners kind of like verbiage, I feel like Cosmo and Stu are the Mark Hoppus and then John Fogarty is the Tom DeLong. Oh, yeah. Like he like he's moved on to do kind of his own thing. He's not really mad at anybody. He's just mad that they keep trying to like fuck with him and they keep trying to do shit that pisses him off. But Cosmo and Stu are like Mark and they just wanna they wanna just hold on to that one thing, that one time they were happy and just keep doing it forever. <laughs> that's I mean, that's a good that's a very, very good comparison right there. Is that solid? That's pretty solid, that, right? That is solid, yeah. I, I do enjoy that. I do enjoy that. I mean when when you bring Tom DeLong into a discussion, I'm always I'm always open to <laughs> I'm this. always so, game. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean I always have a good time when Tom DeLong's brought up. So No, but so, that, okay. honestly, that that's that's solid right there. What you said. 
one more thing that I want to bring up because I think you'll like this. But in one of his expert uh, excerpts from his book, he talks about there's only there's only like one or two times in his life where he just thought like you know what fuck it this is my music, this is this is my baby I'm going to do what I like with it. And then one of the times was when when he was visiting the grave of Robert Johnson. Oh, he, he was visiting the grave of Robert Johnson. And he had like this epiphany. He says, you know what, man? Like one day I'm going to be here. This is going to be me one day. I'm going to I'm going to live my life. I'm going to sing the songs that I want to sing. And like that was it. And then then ever since then, supposedly he had this he had this change of heart where he's he doesn't care anymore. He he's whatever. Like whatever. Like, he's like the dude from the Big Lebowski. He's whatever, man. It's whatever. <laughs> God damn. So uh, what what's another song? Let's finish up Ramble Tamble because we played it. We didn't really talk about it. Yeah. And it's it's arguably like the most complex song on the album. Correct. Okay. Um, as I said before, I love Cosmo's drumming. I, I I think it's the way he plays is so simple. It's so basic, and he he puts these little fun fills in. I don't know, man. Like this one, this one just just gradually graduates into something consistently or constantly better. Like I, like it just it just gets better and better and better and better. The song it gradually graduates. It gradually graduates into something greater, if we're going to go with the alliteration. <laughs> it's just so effective. It's, it's it subtle. Is. No, it, I agree. I agree. It doesn't rush. And like a lot of, a lot of times when like tempo changes, it'll, it'll change like exponentially throughout the riffage or whatever's going on. This one just takes it so slow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it changes so slow. And I think, I think that's, that's where, that's where the money is. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and I mean this song is just—it's—I think it's one of the most interesting songs in their whole catalog. The way they—they just—they entirely switch genres, and the genre that they switch to is—is is something that they don't touch upon too much, and that's like the acid rock genre that was so popular at the time. Which is also weird that they never really touched upon it because it was so popular. And I just—I don't. I don't understand why they didn't because they did it so well. It's like that's weird too because they came out of an area where it was like Frisco's. I fucking hate San Francisco as a city right now, but I've it's always, always just it, been very musically inclined. Like a lot of really good stuff has come out of the Bay Area. Yeah, I don't know why. And I, it's not even fair because Frisco's fucking garbage. <laughs> but. I think you're right. Like th- for for a band to kind of be coming out of the late '60s and 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 form their own genre of music and and steer away from like the psychedelic rock and just get really into just basic like rock and roll, mm-hmm. but with a little bit of blues in it. It's it's kind of brave. It's kind of unprecedented. It's kind of unheard of. And for a band to be this this successful at it was even more remarkable, considering everything that was going on around them. You know, like Pink Floyd was blowing. Well, they weren't blowing up, but they were they were gaining traction at that point. I don't think they were getting that much that they were that popular here in the states yet. But they were still, you know, they had already put out a couple records at this point. So they were they were gaining traction as like one of the bigger rock bands out. You know, and then obviously the Rolling Stones were still going strong. The Who were still going strong. Beatles had pretty much they were pretty much done at this point. Well, I mean, don't forget the Grateful Dead too. Now I'm a, now that I'm Dead, a yeah. Deadhead. Grateful Dead. They came out of like the not really necessarily exactly the Bay Area, but more Northern California esque. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But this song is, I mean, 
but it's also I mean, like why what were they thinking going <laughs> through you, you know the, the song starts out as this like almost like rockabilly country western vibe and then they just they slow it down and it's just this it's super weird for like three minutes and then it just goes right back into the to what they were doing at the beginning it's it's super super strange but for whatever reason it works so well there's, it's a great song there's there's random parts in here where you hear these like weird or these random like guitar feedbacks and 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 they're super subtle and they're really short and I don't know if they're intentional or not but they kind of layer this song into this more like ethereal psychedelic type song mm-hmm. and that's I think that's like them giving homage to where they came from like the scene that they're in but also kind of like a big fuck you to the people that said if you guys are only going to play this music, you're never going to make it because you have to play this other music. And for them to do, to finally do like a real like psychedelic type of sound five albums later, I think it's a real like, fuck you guys. Yeah. We do what we want. But then lyrically, it doesn't really follow that path because lyrically, like the the first part, you know, the, the faster, more rockabilly, or I guess rockabilly might be the best way of explaining that part is more of, you know, talks about him growing up in, you know, a poor area in poverty, essentially, and just kind of like wanting to get out of it. And then the psychedelic part is is him leaving town and kind of experiencing new things, just how like people equate equate psychedelic drugs to like a, a new, like a new opening in life or a new experience in general. And then realizing once you come down from that high, everything is still shit. And that's kind of where the song comes back into like, you know, I'm still stuck in this, this kind of like shithole life that I've always been in, no matter where I go. Like no matter if I travel to another town, I'm still going to be in this unless I change something. So it's like, I don't know. It, it, it's almost, it's almost like an, it, to me, like in a way too, it's almost like an anti like drug kind of song because the, the band itself were never really into drugs. No. They were they were never known for that, and they never really pot did at it. best. Yeah, pot at best, but they never got into the psychedelics. So I feel like it's it's almost like almost like a fuck you to the also a fuck you to the the whole drug music scene because it's saying like this is only so long. Like you're gonna come down from this high, and then you're gonna realize like everything is still shit. So like, I don't know. It's just there there are different ways to interpret the song, and what a banger of an opener, honestly. I think like I've 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 come to realize this week that that CCR is very low key anti government, <laughs> mm-hmm. very much so. Like like a lot. I mean, I don't think his lyrics are very deep, and he's not a, he's not nearly the same lyric men as he is a guitarist or a songwriter in general. Agreed. But they're very they're very based in anti government mentality. Yeah, and I dig it. And and I think this song, like what you were saying with that just that story itself, the song plays along with that, how things just change, how things just stop. And it goes into that first part when everything just drops, and then it goes into the what will be the buildup, what will be the the, the beginning of the tempo changes. Mm-hmm. It starts off with that kind of riff from like House of the Rising Sun by the Animals, that version. Mm-hmm. And it sounds very similar to that. And it speeds up and speeds up and speeds up. And then it drops, it drops hard. But then it stops, right? It stops, and then you, then you, then you get John's like lead, and you think like, is this is this over? <laughs> like, is that it? Like you dropped, and like yeah. that was it. And then it comes in again. It really grooves, and but it kind of brings it full circle. 
because the beginning is very groovy and the ending is really groovy. It's just that middle journey is kind of different. So going along with like what you're saying to where no matter where you go, it's the same shit. Yeah. And so the beginning and the end is kind of the same shit. And the middle part is where you think that you're making progress. So I don't know if this if we're Damn. looking too hard into it, but we might be. I think we might be. Like fuck, man, this song is so good. I really think <laughs> we might be because I, I really do feel along with you that fo- that John's lyrics are his his weakest point. Like they are just there's really not a lot there. And then anytime you think there is something there, he always comes back. He he always cut. He always. <laughs> Comes says, back. Nah, no, nah, I didn't mean says, that. I didn't no, mean I that. didn't. But then it also kind of makes you wonder: Is he doing some like weird long con <laughs> know, that we don't like, know? This would be the longest con we've, we've ever talked about. This then. is. I mean, this is this is older than Dexter from The Offspring. This yeah. is older than Fred Durst. Fred Durst, Biscuit, who is my favorite long con. Uh, but that's got that for sure, like a long con. Though. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's to me, Fred Durst is the is the biggest long con of all time. But you know, John Fogarty, he's been playing us. Who knows for fifty years now, dude? I know that's just crazy to think that this guy has been making music for, like, theoretically, at one of his shows, there could be four generations of people. Right? Well, think a, oh, a four generation family could be at his show. Well, also think about it. What the Blue Velvets, his first band in high school, was what nineteen fifty nine, if I'm not mistaken. So he's yeah. literally been making music for 61 years. 61 years. And <laughs> and also, if you think about it, you can't say, oh, well, that was just a high school band. Well, the Blue Velvets, some of their music was eventually made into CCR songs. So he's been he's really been making music for 61 years. It's, Fuck, it's crazy. Almost a, almost a century. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's so dumb. Ramble Tamil, perfect song. Yes, it is. It, it truly is. It truly is. What um, if you if you had to if you had to pick a least favorite song, just you got to pick one. A least favorite? Well, yeah. What would you pick? All right. So my least favorite song on on this fucking album. Let me see. I'm just trying to think. I hate saying any of them are my least favorite because which which one do you want to talk about the least? The least amount, uh, probably Ubi Doobie. Yeah, that that's that's mine too. I mean, I, I think it's great. It's one of the few songs on the record that's n- not written by John. It's a cover, but it's also like this really fun, just rockabilly dance song. Lyrically, oh excuse me. Um, lyrically, it's just it's just about wanting to dance with your girl and having a great time doing it, and that's it. And but then that lead guitar playing in it. Fucking killer! I love the lead guitar playing. Very Chuck Berry. I, I like it a lot. Originally done by a guy named Dick Penner. Yeah, I, I don't know what he, I didn't really look into what he he had done, but I did too. I I did look into him, but there was nothing really interesting there for me, so I I didn't I didn't write anything didn't down. I didn't, I didn't care didn't enough. Yeah, but um, let's let's for sure. Okay, so there's at least like wait, three wait, what's, more. What's your least? What's your least favorite? Obi Doobie's my my least favorite too. Oh, okay, okay. But I like every time I hear the song, I I cock my elbows out to the side, and I kind of like, like you're gonna start dancing. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> every time That's I hold like, like how my, my grandma used to dance. <laughs> oh my god! I put my fist on like my rib cage and cock my elbows out and just like yeah, go back and forth. I'm doing it right now. 
I would go back and forth with my shoulders. Yeah, that's that's how I danced to Scooby Doo. I love Did, it. That that's how my grandma used to dance. Like every once in a while, like when she would hear like a song on the TV, she would, she would do that too with like her elbows out, and she'd do that like leg thing, you know? Where oh, you kick them like out bouncing. to the side. Well, not out to the side, but they're like kind of like going forward. I don't, I can't even explain it, but she used to do it all the time, and it was oh, it was yeah. so funny. It that's was so how you great. Dance, baby. I remember I told you she had a bunch of records, and then when she passed away, my my aunt just ended up donating them all. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, but but before my grandma had died, we used to talk about music all the time, and uh, and she was really big into Elvis and a lot of jazz music and older music like that, and big band stuff. And she would say like she would because uh, she had this enormous record player. I don't even know what happened to it after she passed away, but she had this this record player that was like it was fucking huge. And she said that she would just iron clothes and and do stuff. And just like put records on, just dance while she was like ironing, and she would just like have like a drink with her because my grandma used to drink a lot when she was Hell younger. Hell yeah! And she would just like have um, she used to drink gin a lot, so she would like just drink gin and whatever, and just like dance to her records and everything. Like because my grandpa would be over, like my grandpa was in the military, so he'd be like overseas, so she'd be having to take care of all the girl, all the the three daughters. So she'd be dancing like you know at ten o'clock at night when all when everyone's asleep. But she'd like have her own time. She'd be doing, you know, housewife stuff. But she would just be having a good time doing it, like drinking her gin and Dude. and just like dancing to records and stuff. And she would always talk about that. And I thought that was like the coolest. It was just like what a like a a different way of life back then, back in the sixties. That's how you that, like like that's how you get truly happy or that's how you see somebody who's truly happy is when they learn to love things mm-hmm. everybody's got a full laundry everyone's gonna do dumb shit learn to love it enjoy yeah. it yeah exactly that's, that's solid whatever what, what are we talking about we're yeah, talking whatever about, no we're talking about uh looking out my back door that's that's the one we're we were gonna go we were gonna next. talk about yeah this that's is a banger um, too this was a this was also a number t- they had like they had a fuck ton of number two singles <laughs> They, they they couldn't ever get a number one single. This one lost out to Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Oh, but that's a good song. It is. It is. <laughs> that's oh, yeah, a really that's, good song. <laughs> it's it's tough because Ain't No Mountain High Enough is also like a, like one of those timeless, legendary songs that will never die. And everybody knows what it is and knows how to sing it. But um, yeah, looking out my back door, man, like that, that slide guitar is so crisp and it's, and it's so psychedelic, but... According to John, that it's it's not, it's very of course it's very innocent. It's very which <laughs> I, I I can under I I can understand like not everything from this era has to be written when you're fucked up on LSD. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't have to be like that. People can write good music that is not while on the under the influence of drugs. And I think this is a good. John claims this song was written for his three year old son at the time, and just just about just about him sitting on his porch and just kind of like daydreaming and, and living the dream as it were quite literally and watching yeah. a bunch of weird shit in front of him. And I, I believe him on this one. Yeah. Just kind of like letting your mind just run amok, just having nothing really going on. And just, it, this is like the true form of relaxation and just nothing. And I love that drugs or not. I've, I've, Especially without drugs, I think this is like one of the the coolest feelings that you could probably have as a human being. But you can only really feel this. I feel as like a kid, because as you grow older, you 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 just there's so many different things going on through your mind, and 
you know, anxiety and yeah, it's so hard to just quiet everything around you as an adult, but there's this weird innocence to this song, which I'd love to, ah, this is my, this is my third banger on this record. It's looking out my back door. What's your, what's your second banger? Uh, Ramble Tamble. Oh. Yeah. Ramble Tamble is my two, my, 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 my number two. Okay. Also, um, since we started collecting records, Mm-hmm. That 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 line the the dinosaur Vitrola Victrola listening to Buck Owens that line has always been fun for me. Mm-hmm. Like it's always been like oh I I know who Buck Owens is like yeah he's a country guy. But now that I've like listened to him more and I I I love Buck Owens. And now that we collect records, I know what a Victrola is. What is that? It I I don't I didn't look at it. It's up. just a record player. It's an old fucking, oh, is that what it's it is? an okay. old ass record player. <laughs> a probably a fucking record player that plays seventy eights, huh? Probably it probably like, does. It probably only plays seventy eights, and that makes me really mad. Like, like just, 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 just think of like the oldest record player you can think of, and it has that like cone on it, like that mm-hmm. that phonograph, a, fucking a, a gramophone. Yeah, like a gramophone. I, I, I yeah. think that was like a Victrola, or Jesus. a Victrola was just like one of those, um, like all in one speaker and radio and record player. Oh, like okay, yeah. Type of thing, but which which are would sound totally shitty, and you don't ever want to buy one of those, but. But yeah, like like that that line, it just means more now. I guess I've really I've appreciated that line more, and, and it makes it it makes the, the the song more relatable because like what all we do is just sit around and listen to music, whether or not it's by ourselves or with somebody else, it doesn't matter because like in that moment, like nothing else really kind of matters. Is nothing else matters. Fucking! <laughs> <laughs> I hate that Metallica song. Yeah, it's terrible. But you know what I mean. Like, you know what I mean. You know yeah, saying, no, I, I get you know it. I totally here? get it. I totally get it. Let's play a little bit of "Looking on My Back Door" because, dude, it's it's quite the drumming so good in here too. It is. It's a banger. So here it is. Looking on my back door. What a 
perfect song. <laughs> Dude, what a honestly, I, I this this might be my, my favorite song on this record now. It's so know. it's so hard not to like it's think so this is their best. Because it easily could be their oh. best they've ever done. It totally Dude, it's could so be good. that. <laughs> and then I mean, mind you, with with this mixer that I'm using that we're using, um, we couldn't hear like a lot of that lead guitar part in the verse. But knowing that it's there is because I've heard the song so many times. Like, fuck, dude, it's so good. And then also when you um when you hear John's voice and how he during certain parts he gets really, really loud just because it's almost like this this because he like gets passionate about what he's saying. It's but, the do 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 parts. Like he's straining yeah. his voice. Oh my god, dude, it's so good. Like it's so great, like how this this album was mixed and mastered. Like they didn't just like level level it all off. Like they let that those spikes happen and it just adds so much to the whole recording of this song dude it's a fucking perfect song that doom bat doom bat doom bat just that so crisp and like oh, the, dude, and the, and the, and the rhythm it. tom on the rhythm and guitar like he's he knows dude, just so how good. to like hit those chords to where they're long enough to know what note what 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 key they are what note they are but they're short enough to just kind of just be like little bursts yeah absolutely oh my god it's so good it, Dude, this that, is this song like perfectly complements. I mean, every every musician perfectly complements one, one another. And then when it, when like the 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 drumming comes in with the tambourine, like the tambourine on top of the hi hat. Oh my god, dude! It's so, it's so good. That so like my my I have two favorite parts of the song. One one is the solo. I I absolutely love the solo. I think the solo mm-hmm. is perfect. I think it's fantastic. And you I, hate I, solos. I know I can't stand solos, but this one is catchy in itself. This solo could be the song. This solo carries the melody. It goes from high to low. It octave jumps, and it's just fucking catchy. It's yeah. so amazing. And then the tempo change, right? The tempo change later on, where it kind of slows down. Yeah. Oh my god, it goes halftime. Oh, and then you think so it's gonna good. stop, and then you like, and then it goes one more time. You love the chicka chicka. One more time, baby. And then Cosmo comes in with a double snare, and this is. Like, what are you guys fucking this my, this, thinking? This is my new favorite song, obviously. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, this is my new favorite. I uh, This is my new favorite. I just, it's fantastic. I, I hate choosing the song because it's so easy, but it's it's also very difficult to not choose it as your number one song. It is. Everything about it is so good. Every <laughs> every member shines in this, in this even Stu. Even Stu. What, what else do you want to talk about here? Let's uh so the so um the other three songs not on this album that they had just gonna read in my notes off the top Wait, what the other three songs that they had that were that were almost number one hits almost number one oh, singles okay. that lost Proud Mary was one that got beat by by Everyday People by Sly and the Family Stone ah and, no Proud Mary's way better and also Dizzy by Tommy Rowe. I don't even know that song. What the fuck is that? I don't know. I don't care. Yeah, what is that? I don't know. No idea. <laughs> I uh, thought you might know. No, I don't give a shit about Tommy Rowe. Um, Bad Moon Rising. That got beat also by the love theme from the 1969 Romeo and Juliet soundtrack. Oh, that's awful. And Green River got beat. This is a good one, though. By the song Sugar Sugar by the Archies. No. That's Green a River's good better. song. <laughs> no. I mean, it's a good song. It's a good song. But Green River's better. Oh, honey, do, 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 do. No, Green River's better. I'm oh, sorry. No, that, sugar Sugar is pretty fucking good. That song's pretty cheesy, though. <laughs> Come on. 
But the other I two, I, I totally agree. Bad Moon Rising should not have lost to a fucking theme song from a soundtrack. And then I don't know who Tommy <laughs> Rowe is, but I don't like him. I don't either. I don't either. Oh, let, 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 before we get into like the last of the the bangers, uh, let's talk about the artwork real quick, because the <laughs> the the cover art was photographed by John and uh, uh, John and Tom's brother. What was his fucking name? I have it written down right here. Uh, Bob. Bob. <laughs> what what a name. Bob. What a name. Bob, yeah, the, Bob, the cover Bob. photo was was shot by Bob Fogarty, and. Um, it's a weird it's it's truly a weird a weird cover or a weird picture. I mean one of them is riding a bike, John is in like the very back just kind of sitting there looking at the camera. I don't yeah. get it. I don't I don't have it in front of me, but so I I I know it's like a candid I know it's like a candid um is that what you call them candid photos? Yeah. Where like nobody or, knows or, it's or being how taken. or how some yeah, but also like how how some people have said like they were caught on camera on an off-duty moment. Yeah, but but I think I I think this is stemming from like them probably like bickering, and and again I don't I don't want to walk over there and get it. I can't find a good picture online, but it looks like Cosmo is on the bike. Yeah, and so it, it's it almost seems like they're they're fighting and like and everyone's just like fuck it, I'm gonna do my own thing. And at that moment, he walked in and kind of took a picture of it. Which this picture, if that is true, if like they just got done fighting and that's why they're all in in non rehearsals posture, I think that perfectly like uh captures who this band was. Well also, I mean, I think John had, had said or somebody within the band had said that, you know, the the album was named Cosmos Factory because John wanted a lot of the pressure taken off of him because of all the success that the band had had up to that point. So that was one reason why they they called it Cosmos Factor because that was Doug's nickname was Cosmo, and then that that also led to the to the picture too having John in the very back, but having the two essentially Doug in the front or Cosmo in the front, kind of just like having him kind of take go. the limelight to to take it all off of John or take a lot of it off of John. Yeah, which I I understand. This this studio is I think is in like Frisco or, or something like that and. The studio they 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 went in was I don't know it was like five studios in this in this recording studio and that was always like their studio they they went to all the time and uh, that's kind of cool I guess I don't know yeah and then there's a there's actually a if you look on the cover art there there's a sign handwritten sign that says third generation and apparently that was kind of like a like almost like a like a joke because I guess there was some music critic back in the day saying that they they said something along the lines that credence clearwater oh my god credence <laughs> dude credence clearwater revival this is what he said credence clearwater revival is an excellent excellent example of the third generation of san san francisco bands with the meaning being behind they weren't quite as good as the grateful dead or quicksilver messenger service have you ever heard of that band? Who, the last no, band? I was just gonna say, who the fuck is Quicksilver yeah, Messenger I, Service? I've never heard of them either. But yeah, apparently they they're, they are the uh, the third best Shit. behind those bands. That guy's got egg on his face now, don't he? I know, right? <laughs> Fucking forty five, fifty years later, idiot. <laughs> but yeah, the the cover artwork is super strange because normally it's like it's either like some like album artwork at this time was either something super trippy or. 
like fantasy looking or it was just like the band members standing there just like looking at the camera not smiling just looking but this is just like there's like it like we said doug is riding a bike john's in the back and it's just it's a really really weird album cover it is i just don't get it it's very colorful too for their albums it's it's very red it's very yellow there's a little bit of blues as far as like the drapes are concerned but most of their albums are very they're not black and white but they're very black and white esque Mm. especially their first four and so it's you know it's it's solid it's it's a good it's a good album artwork and i love the cover i do too oh let me get let me get into cosmo because i read a lot about cosmo and cosmo's He's fucking cool as a drummer. So here's here's some here's some interesting things about Cosmo. After you okay? talked shit about him earlier. Okay. I did, I just think he's he's emotionally underdeveloped. But here's here's a couple <laughs> things about Cosmo. Um, he he has a winter home in Scottsdale, which is third okay, twenty to, to thirty minutes from where I live right now. Where you just bought four hundred records. Where he's okay. bought four hundred <laughs> records for a hundred bucks. Literally bought four hundred records. Anybody listening out there, Jeff just. We went like, like thirdsies records. though. It's not just all we me. did. We did go thirdsies, but still, you just bought four hundred records. Yeah. Anyway, maybe yeah. a bad idea, but I don't know. But he, um, he, he only, he only did the winter thing though, because he visited <laughs> Tom here. Tom, Tom Fogarty had a house out here in Scottsdale, and he visited Tom here once, like many, many years ago. And he got off like the plane or got off the bus or something, and he was just like, "Wow, this sucks." Because it's so fucking hot during the summer. So he only has a winter house out here. He will not spend summers out here. It's too fucking hot. He's also an honorary fire chief in like the Washington area. Mm-hmm. And he has this biological background in like fire danger and spread and suppression. <laughs> so much so that the USDA, the US Department of Agriculture, deemed one of his programs that he wrote the best in the nation and trained busloads of firefighters in Washington on how to use it when the California fires were bad, well, they, they've been raging for 10 years, but when they were raging, like in like the Santa Barbara area, yeah, they used his program, Cosmo, his program to fight the fires. And he taught hundreds of firefighters on, on how to use his own program. Wow. That's pretty awesome. He also, um, let's see here. He, he, okay. So as far as his kit is concerned, his his kit is very very simple. hasn't changed since like the dawn of CCR, but he uses eighteen inch hi hats, right? So like that's a crash crash sized hi hats. So much so that when he started playing in CCR, he had to go to a hardware store to to kind of reinforce the springs so he could even use the hi hat stand. But he likes that sound, and he uses a lot of uh, like like a like a the stick. But they call the part of the the drumstick the shank, mm-hmm. so not not where the bead is, and then not like maybe like half an inch below the bead, but like that thicker part that almost goes into the handle itself. Yeah, that's like the shank part, and and you can hear a lot of the different nuances in uh, heard it through the grapevine. So a lot of things that he does is very is very subtle, and he uses the shank and the tip. And next time you play the drums, you can try and do this. You can do shank tip, shank tip, and then do like the one two, like a, like a like a basic four beat. Yeah, and then you can do tip shank, and like the way it sounds different is 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 like night and day. It sounds completely really? different I just even... just doing that little nuance. I watched like three YouTube videos about this too, so <laughs> it sounds totally different. 
<laughs> and then another thing that he does a lot, especially in Heard It Through the Grapevine, is he hits the crash on the backbeat. So when he's hitting the snare, he also hits the crash at the same time rather than hitting the crash like on the on the bass drum or whatever it is. He hits the crash in these weird like backbeat times to kind of give the the song like a more a more layered and textured feel to it where it's not so run of the mill. That's and that's so why I weird. love Cosmo. Love huh. him. He's so basic, but he does these tiny little things that just make him just a little bit better. That little extra. I've heard I've heard about other drummers using larger cymbals for their their hi hats, and I wonder if it's directly inspired from Cosmo or if it's more like a jazz thing. I don't know, but either way, it's super interesting. Uh, I mean, he likes so he he's he has said that he likes the sound. When you barely open it and 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 the cymbals don't touch or the hi hat doesn't touch, but when you hit them, they touch, right? So when you open it to that point, to where you can see a gap in between, they're not touching, but when you hit them, they touch and they kind of revolve and 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 grind on each other. That sound, he says, is the fullest sound that he you can possibly get, especially with bigger with bigger cymbals. I can see that. I could definitely see that. And, and I mean, his dude, like, like heard it through the game grapevine. His his symbol crashing is just, it's it's fantastic. After I read that, I could I couldn't unhear it to <laughs> that point. I guess I've I've never I've never looked into it that much, but I I've, I'll probably honestly hear it more now, knowing that. That's that's very interesting. It's very interesting, dude. In I, in in drum aspects, I guess. Especially considering he plays pretty simple beats. There's He's nothing a like very simple drummer. Yeah. And nobody ever thinks of him as as anything more than that. No, huh. I mean he's no he's no he's no bottom. I mean he's no Ringo Starr. He's no <laughs> none of yeah. that. But shit. He's, he's no Meg White either, so Well that's he's true, just... yeah. No Meg White for sure. Yeah. But he's he's alright. He's alright. <laughs> that's really cool though. I I I mean the that those little things they they really do they really can make a difference in the grand scheme of a song and a lot of people don't think about that a lot of people don't don't take that into consideration especially nowadays the way music is produced and i don't know it sucks it really does suck even even just like structure of music is concerned and i mean a lot of a lot of like the more i i get into vinyl the more i listen to vinyl the more i understand kind of like where the the three minute structured song kind of comes from especially when buying singles and 45s and just thinking okay this this side of the album can only fit x amount of minutes and an x amount of songs spun at this amount of rpms so band like record labels pressured bands to write music based off of what they could fit on side a of the vinyl and side b of the vinyl yeah and then like just to just to kind of hear that progress from like the the forties to the fifties to the seventies and then kind of die out after that and then get into the CDs where things are super compressed. And then to today when, when things are, are compressed to like a, a fucking T right down to like yeah the, the, the microscopic bit of it, I guess it's just fucking John Feldman. Like what honestly. the hell dude? Like where, where do we go from, from let's just write a song However long it is, if it's eleven minutes, let's just write a song. We'll 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 track it live. You know, we'll we'll play it to tape, and then where do we get from to where now? We're we're going into like 
fruit, fruity loops or, or sonar and, and editing. <laughs> fruity loops. Like the the most like minor fucking flaw in the music to where it sounds absolutely perfect. Like what like who did that? Who started that? I feel like the early nineties started that. I feel like Bob Rock he was kinda like the one who's who decided like let's like perfect everything and then it kinda like s- took control after that. Like that's when like I mean Bob Rock does he at the time he did make like really truly great sounding music but like after that was when like you know rick rubin and very very like various producers started to like take that compression and in certain aspects of recording and production and just like take it to the fucking extreme only because you know certain songs with so much compression they'll sound better on radio but when you listen to them outside of radio, outside of the FM spectrum or even at AM spectrum if you really want to throw it back. Like outside of those two things, like it sounds like shit, but on those those on especially FM, it's going to sound great. But anyway, anyway, should yeah, we should know. we play another song off of uh, Cosmos Factory? What do you want to uh, do? I mean, we could. I I want to play Heard it, the, Heard it Through the Grapevine, but it's too long of a song and I think you need to get the whole the whole thing in order to really truly enjoy it. Yeah, I think true. I think picking it apart is 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 not fair to the song itself. But, I mean, um, they they stretch it out for over eleven minutes, but it needs to be eleven minutes. It does, yeah. But it's also like it's not an original song. It, it is a it is a cover, and Marvin Gaye was had the most popular cover of this, which I don't really believe. Yeah, did, I feel like did you hear it? CCR, or did what? you listen to his version? I did listen to it, but I didn't recognize it. I, I first, yeah, first of all, I didn't recognize it at all. And then, I mean, besides the fact that I know the CCR version, but it's not even that great. Oh, like, like what? No, no. Yeah. Like the way the way CCR took this song and, and and made it into something completely different and long and and thoughtful, I, I think is 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 fantastic. And when, when you hear that intro, like you you know, like you better you better just take a fucking seat. You better sit down. <laughs> Cause it's gonna be a while. <laughs> yeah, that 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 one little guitar riff right there. <laughs> Absolutely. Ah oh, man. So what? Else? So we have. Let's look at what else we haven't talked about. We haven't talked about uh, before you accuse me. It's a Bo Diddley cover. Um, I mean, this is just very very simply a blue, a, like a Delta blues style kind of song. Yes, cover song. I mean, it's, you hear it with the lead guitar playing. It's it's so fucking bluesy. Uh, traveling band. Did we talk? We didn't talk about that, did we? Uh, no. This was this was also another another single that almost was number one, but this one couldn't beat the song "Bridge Over Troubled Water." What the fuck song is that? That's that. Uh, I don't fucking know. The stupid. That's a bullshit song. I don't know who sings it. Probably it's like Simon and Garfunkel song. or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, this this one also the the traveling band has like a very little Richard vibe to it it's like very fast and upbeat and it's just it what it talks about is just them enjoying it's them enjoying themselves being in a band or them enjoying being in a band and just like the traveling and just loving playing their music and it's like a straight upbeat fun song it's the most fun song on the record see that's why i think that that fogarty just wants to play music with his friends and doesn't want any of the bullshit because this this song it could be just a complete fabrication of of what he thinks people want want to hear and he's pandering to us but 
like he all all it seems like all Fogarty ever wanted to do was just be the leader of a band because he knows how to lead, he knows how to make singles, he knows how to make great music, and just to play music. Yeah. And and it's just like everyone everyone has prevented him and everyone's called him this bad guy and he's been backed into this corner of not being able to play his own fucking music and like I all he wants to do is just play fucking music and just jam. Yeah. And this this song kind of shows it. Ah, man, it's so good. But a lot of people did criticize the band and John for sounding too much like Little Richard. But I think it's honestly, it's just like an homage to Little Richard. Dude, his yells, like, like like when he yells before the solo, like he for sure sounds like Little Richard. Yeah. But again, but like you like, said, I think it's he's just, he's, he's just, he's paying respects. It's not being disrespectful because it's not like every song sounds like a Little Richard song. This is just... Yeah. Just showing his like his his respect for Little Richard. It's great, and, and it's not like this is an album of of all originals, and then all of a sudden this one little part here is stealing from Little Richard. Like this, there's a lot of CCR has always done a lot of cover songs, so they're yeah. not they're not shy about about acknowledging where they've came from, acknowledging who their influences were. Yeah, absolutely. And that's another thing that's lost on music today, right? Like like. Bands were not afraid. I mean, Led Zeppelin hit it better than anybody else did, but bands were not afraid to to cover other songs, and and pay their respects and say, "This is my influence. Here's my version on the music that I grew up with." That's true. Yeah, and nobody really criticized it. They just kind of, I don't know whether it was because nobody decided to read like the liner notes or wanted to look deeper, but. I mean, honestly, that's probably what it was. Like, nobody really cared to look deeper. That's true. They just thought, you know, this is the first thing we've ever heard of this this style of music. This is the greatest thing ever. Let's not dive deeper. But th- that's like a lot of pop music in general, you know. Nobody decides to, to look at the actual songwriters or the production team or what influenced or anything like that. Another interesting note about this one was uh, Clear Channel or iHeartRadio put this on their infamous 9-11 band list. Are you serious? Yeah. Wait, traveling band? Traveling band, because on the the very first thing is like uh, seven seven forty seven, or seven thirty seven. Oh, seven thirty seven. Yeah. Uh, wow, are you fucking kidding me? That's fucking retarded. I mean, that's so stupid. <laughs> I almost used the R R word because I was so upset. So upset. Oh my god. Fuck I heart radio. All right. Well, the other songs we haven't talked about. My baby left me. Another cover of uh, a Delta blues singer and guitarist uh, named Arthur Crudup. Crudup? Crudup? Circa uh, 1950, I thought, baby. I thought it was great. I thought this was a solid, solid cover, too. This is a, he, a very famous, like, blues kind of concept. It's my baby left me. Like, my baby left me now. I don't know what to do. <laughs> and you just kind like, of fiddle around with it. But This is the most the most blues song you could possibly do. Yeah. In every sense, lyrically, musically. There's no chorus. It's all this verses. This is Delta Blues 101. Delta Blues 101. But still great. Another one we didn't talk about was Who Will Stop the Rain? I was the B-side of Traveling Band. Another another banger here. Yeah. I honestly think this is a banger. And people have said that, you know, this is this is a, an anti-war, anti-Vietnam war anthem. But of course, John Fogarty said, "No, no, no, this is about our our performance at Woodstock." <laughs> it's like, dude, come on. Well, like, people people thought that they did the song at Woodstock, and, and he says that they didn't do the song at Woodstock. Did they not? That's what he says. Well, John says a lot of things, so <laughs> who knows? 
but it's a banger. It's a it's a th- this song is always kind of um, until like recent years. This one has always been my least favorite because there's too much stuff going on. There's a lot of things going on, and it almost makes it sound like it is actually raining. And Cosmos is he's just riding those fucking crash symbols constantly throughout this song, but yeah. but man, like the 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 vocal melody is just it's so strong. It's so fucking strong, and I love the verses. The verses are like the best part of this, and they're so good. Yeah, I agree. They're I agree so catchy. You. Should we play some of it? Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, okay. we have like two more left. So yeah. yeah. Okay. So here we go. Here's a who will stop the rain from CCR. There you go. There's who will stop the rain from CCR. Man, his voice is just so good. <laughs> ah, it is <laughs> fan fucking tastic. <sighs> All right, we got anything else to say about that one? Nope. All right, so that leads us to the to the closer of the album, and that's uh, "Long as I Can See the Light." And the B side to looking out my back door. Honestly, this is like one of the the greatest closers to an album. <laughs> it's so good. I put too perfect ending to a perfect album. <laughs> it is. It honestly is. And there are very few times where where this happens. But fuck, man. John playing the sax though. Like what? What are you not, doing? Dude? Not just that, but his <laughs> his voice. His voice is like this is the best thing he he's done. This is like. This just shows like his emotion, the emotion in his voice. Oh my God, it's the best. The dude can write just, dude, he writes nothing but bangers. It's, <laughs> it's truly remarkable. It's not truly remarkable. Crazy. It is. So I, you know what, fuck it, let, let's play the song. We'll talk about it a little bit more maybe, maybe if we feel like it, and then we'll wrap it up, give our rating, get the fuck out of here. So here's, um, here's Long As I Can See the Light from CCR.
There you go. CCR, and as long as I can see the light. You know what this song kind of reminds me of? Hmm. You know how, I mean, everybody's seen SNL throughout the years. I feel like this is at the very end of every episode when, when the host is out there with, with the band that played at the, the song at the very end and the cast hmm. is out there and they're all kind of talking and like saying, you know, thanks so much for watching. And they're all shaking hands. And then, then the, like they turn off all the mics and the music rises up. Like <laughs> this is what that reminds me of. Okay. It's like every, and then you can picture like everybody on the stage, like shaking hands and talking to each other, but you can't actually hear him. That's how, that's what I feel like this song is. It's, it's, it. it's crazy or it's, it's, it's impressive. The kind of, um, the kind of emotion a song like this can kind of invoke in you. And, and I don't feel like that, but kind of in the same concept of where the candle in the window part, you, you think of darkness, but a candle in darkness, like one little glimmering light just like burning out or something like that. It's just, it's, it's very, it's, it's very interesting. The type of, um, the type of emotion Mr. Fogarty can can make us feel all the feels yeah. we feel, and I feel after this 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 being the last song on the record, he's kind of talking about how you know there's always like i mean as cliche as it sounds like there's a light at the end of the road there's there's always something positive to look at in the end and no matter what, like whether, I mean, cause like in, in, within the context of the song, it's like a lot of it seems very, um, like war related. And, and so like people returning from like the civil war and like people used to, uh, houses used to leave like lit candles on the windowsill for, for people returning from the war, from the civil war saying, you know, this is a place you can come to stay and rest, you know, after everything that you've been through. And that kind of like translated throughout time, up until like probably I'd say like World War Two maybe <laughs> I don't know maybe I don't know but you know it's just kind of like this it's kind of like saying like there's always something good that's going to happen to you sometime in your life but, dude that's I I think that is I I agree with you halfway mm-hmm. but this is the last great song that CCR really did mm-hmm. this 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 was it like after after but after after this, like that, that was it. They did Pendulum, Mardi Gras, and they just Pendulum was great though. No, it wasn't great, Tyler. You're stupid. But this, this you? is the last great thing that they did, and I think that the whole, that whole like, because I'm gone, gone, gone thing. I think, I think he knows, dude. He knew, like he knew, like this is it. We're done. Put a candle in the window. <laughs> remember me. Remember this band for who we were, not for who we're going to become, because he knew. He knew things were just going to turn to shit after this, and they did. What we're, what we're going to become in like a year and a half. Yeah, in like four days. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so funny because like, the way we talk about this band, it, it sounds like we're talking over like a 15, 20 year span. But it's Blink has had a big fucking longer career than it's this band. Fucking, it's fucking four <laughs> years. This fucking stupid band. It's remarkable. It's, it's remarkable. It's, it's crazy to think how many like bands that are popular have had four times as long careers as these guys did. Yeah. yeah Alkaline Trio is at a longer fucking career than these guys. <laughs> the Get Up Kids had a longer career than these guys. I know. I know. Oy. It's crazy. We've we've literally touched upon every song. So that leads to our rating of this album. So three, we have a three-point rating system. Three is a perfect album. Two is a good album. You're going to continue to listen to it. 
when is a bad album, but give it a shot so you don't like so you don't look like a total asshat when you talk to other people about it. <laughs> and zero is um uh you wish you would rather have had your ears run over by a truck than listen to this album. What do you rate this album? Cosmos Factory by Credence Clearwater Revival. Go, this, Jeff. Now this Go. is a three. This this is one of my top five favorite albums of all time. This is this is easily a three, hands down. This is a perfect album by a band that's that's only done a handful of songs that were okay. At okay. worst, everything else they've done has been good to great to fucking beyond bangers. And I mean, nostalgia aside. Like this is objectively, I mean, multiple sources think that this is their not only their best album, but some of the best like rock and roll from from the late sixties, early seventies. Yes, some might say that. I'm not just coming from a place of subjectivity here. This is uh, God Himself said this or herself. If you watch Dogma, it, this is this is just a fantastic album. It's it's, so am, it's amazing, and and uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's all I gotta say about that. But also, when you think about it, this podcast is not, there's no subjectivity here. It's no. Everything we talk about is entirely objective. Yes. Everything we say here is fact, especially coming from me. I mean, I am the, oh, yeah. The, I don't even know what I, I don't even know what I am, but I'm the greatest of all time. We we should, we should, we should rename the podcast The Gospel According to S9 Radio. Because cause it's essentially what we are. Like if Mark can have his own fucking stories and if Lou can spin his tales, why can't we? Right? I, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. So out of the uh, the three point rating system, I'm gonna also have to give this one a perfect three. Yeah. There are there are no stinkers. There's nothing nothing even close to a stinker on here. It's it's just it's unbelievable how good this band was over such a short period of time. Like we've talked about, and we've mentioned several times over like a four-year span, just what what John Fogarty put out. It's, it's fucking remarkable. And this is the best that they've done on this record. Collectively, as a record, this is the best that they've done. So a perfect three for me. And I, I don't know. I don't even know where I to go from here. Where do we go from here? There's, there's honestly nowhere to go long as we can see the light. That's very true. All right. Well, this is Asinine Radio. Um, thank you all for listening. If you've even gotten this far into the podcast, thank you again for listening. Go to iTunes. Go to go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Uh, give us five stars. Be a cool guy like like Dan. And don't be a Bocephus and give us a one star. Uh Go to uh, our social media at Asinite Radio. Follow us on there. Uh, reach out to us. I don't give a fuck. Just, just fucking call us. We have a phone number. I don't even remember what it is right now because I'm not looking at it. But it's on our social media. Go fucking give us a voicemail or leave us a voicemail. And uh, it's late. And I'm still going. Yeah. So it's a stretch, I guess. Yeah. So that's it. That's all. My least best, Cleedence, Cleedence, Cleedence. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
That was a good one. Dude, this is going to be the entire episode. <laughs> I always have trouble oh, with a stupid band. When, when you bring Tom DeLonge into a discussion, I'm always, I'm always open to I'm this. I'm always so, game. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I always have a good time when Tom DeLonge is brought up. 